All right. For today's episode of Slinging It with QB Velocity, episode seven, we are joined today by Mike Hoke. Mike, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Excited to be here. Absolutely. And just just a little bit of background on Mike for you guys. So he's originally from Canada, uh, played high school ball in Ohio, ended up playing at, at Brown for four years, was was a captain there, uh, very productive on the field. And um, he this past season spent the spent the whole season on the LA Rams um, practice squad. And now he's now he's uh, with the Rams right now. They're on their offseason workouts and everything. So very excited to have Mike on for today. So, Mike, first question that we want to ask is t- kind of take yourself back a little. And when was the first moment that you really found your love and passion for the game of football? Um, so I've been playing football since third grade. Um, and so at that point, I was in Ohio um, and the community I was in, like everything kind of centered around Friday Night Lights football mm. and it went all the way back to the peewee days, uh, like Pop Warner style football. That's just the best. Um and so I got really into it then. And then I think it really started the love of the game sort of grew once you hit high school and you start to, you know, play some real football. Um, you know, I was in uh, Pop Warner football. I was an offensive lineman because I was too heavy to run the ball. But then come uh, come high school, that restriction was lifted and they started handing me the rock. And I was a fullback in high school, which, you know, and that's just so much fun. And it's it's one of those sports that, the teams are so big and you get so much like personality in the locker room um, that it becomes just part of your life and part of your friends. And um, those guys just become your family. So, you know, it's that sort of culture of the sport has always been something that's really been attractive to me. Yeah. hundred percent. And you guys got to go check out Mike's uh, highlight highlight film from high school. It's unbelievable. Just running over dudes from, Special teams, running back. It's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely <laughs> helps when you're uh, 265 fullback and corners are a buck 85, maybe. Yeah, no doubt. Do you, do you mess you mess running the ball at all? Um, I do, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that, that was more of like a high school gag. Yeah. You, can, you can definitely get away with it then. I don't know if you'd be able to get away with it, but I can still see myself pulling a little fullback package um, out of the back pocket. There you go. Hopefully uh, Coach McVay is listening to this. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, speaking of the culture a little bit with uh, football, how different is it compared in uh, Canada compared to the United States? Obviously, the United States diehard football culture for the most part, but uh, how does that compare to uh, the culture in Canada? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. That's actually something that you know I found to be really interesting because Canada doesn't really have sort of the Friday Night Lights vibe to it. You know, um, especially where I was, you know, we would play games Wednesday afternoons and we would get let out of school at like two 30, um, to go, you know, take whatever bus. And then we would just play a game on a Wednesday afternoon, which was kind of a foreign concept to me, uh, which was cool. Um, just because at that point it becomes pure love of the game. Um, you know, a little antidote from that those days was, um, there was a game we were playing and I was in Toronto at this point. Um, playing for my high school and uh, it's pouring rain like it's just kind of a gross day outside football weather um, obviously and then but my mom is the only one sitting in the stands with like an umbrella watching the game and that that to me just kind of proved that like you know we're like a football family and she's going to be there rain or shine and I don't think you got a lot of that in Canada but besides that I think you know I want to clarify that there's some really really good ball being played in Canada and I think 
Um, it's less run through necessarily the high schools. I think you get a lot of it. There's a lot of these city teams and regional teams that you can play for. So um, I played, um, I think, about half a season for the Metro Toronto Wildcats before halfway through the season we moved. So I obviously couldn't play for them anymore. Um, but that's where I think, you know, you get a lot of really high level competition in Canada. And a lot of, a lot of the guys who are playing in leagues like that um, they're looking to, you know, go play in um, the U.S. for college, or if not, there's a lot of really good schools that run Canadian-style football in college. Um, you know, so Queens and Western has have a really big uh, rivalry. I know, um, like Laurier's got some good um, guys come out of there, and so um, I would say probably most guys look towards playing, um, you know, D1 or D2 ball in the states. And then, um, you know, but or if they want to stay in Canada, they'll go to some of these schools and then um, some of them even get picked up in the, the CFL draft as well. So it's not like there's there's still really good football happening there. It's just not the culture of Friday Night Lights that kind of exists. Uh, were you a big fan of the CFL growing up? Um, I can't say I was, you know, a massive fan just because I didn't get a ton of exposure to it. Um, but, it, you know, it was always one of those things that, um, you know, it's there. So, you know, if you're a football junkie, you're going to get your hands on some football. And I re like there's always, you know, the great video highlights of the biggest CFL hits. And when you have yeah. receivers in full motion at the snap of the ball, like coming to crack ends and linebackers, you get some you get some big time plays. So, you know, you can find some pretty spectacular highlights there. That's for sure. What do you what do you think of the potential uh, CFL XFL merger? You know, I, I think it, it could be good. I think anything that sort of develops, you know, talent and allows guys to continue playing. Um, and I think a lot of these spring leagues that have been tried usually, mm -hmm. you know, fall short financially or they just can't recruit talent. And so the bigger the pool of guys, the better the competition is going to be. And I, I'm obviously no expert in, you know, sort of that um, area, but, you know, I would have trouble seeing a lot of downside for, you know, growing the competition and getting guys more exposure or even just having football on in the spring. Um, mm. I think that would do a lot of good things for fans. Yeah, I agree. That's something we've talked about before is kind of there being a need for de a developmental league uh, with the NFL yeah. or as every other major sports, there's a, you know, there's a developmental league. M NBA has a G League. Yeah. MLB has the whole farm system. So why not the NFL have something? And what I also found interesting was um, when the AAF was going on, they were experimenting with the new rules mm -hmm. and they were trying different things out. Um, you know, they were even incorporating like gambling into it. And so it could also serve as sort of a testing ground for professional sports, trying out different rules and being able to see, okay, does this work? Does this not work? People like this, people didn't like this. And, you know, it gives them sort of um, an experiment to be able to try things to make the sport better. Yeah, yeah that's absolutely. what they're doing with uh, minor league baseball right now, which I really liked. I really like how they're uh, just messing with different rules just to see what yeah. would stick. And uh, seeing how that would uh, expand into the MLB, I think that's a really cool idea. And I think the uh, NFL would definitely benefit. Yeah, for sure. And so now just kind of talking about what we've been going through with this pandemic, Mike. So everyone has dealt with it in their own ways. People have gone through different things. So what are how have you been able to, you know, been, been able to persevere through this? So back when I was in, it would have been around March um, of last year. So right when everything started, um, that was right in the height of pro day season mm -hmm. uh, for me. And so when everything sort of started to shut down, I kind of had a, 
a bit of a panic moment that, you know, I wasn't going to get my shot. I wasn't going to get the looks because my pro day got canceled. Um, I had a couple workouts. I had a workout with the 49ers, workout with the Bengals, um, both of which got canceled. The 49ers one got canceled the day of, which was heartbreaking mm-hmm. at the time. Um, so then, you know, at that point, I sort of decided, well, there's sort of two options here. You can just kind of not do anything and hope for the best, or you can leave less up to chance. And so I went out very next day and recorded a virtual pro day. So I did, you know, all the normal stuff I do in a pro day. I put together, you know, 40 time, five, 10, five L or three cone, um, did a broad jump. Um, I got a vert done. Um, I found, uh, the trainer I was with Mike Boyle strength conditioning up in Woburn. Um, I was there and I recorded a vert jump cause they had all the equipment. Um, and so, you know, I, I put together a tape that I could send out and then I had my agent start, you know, sending that to everybody who could, you know, get eyes in front of them. Um, and then, you know, I also started to put together, um, you know, stuff of me running routes as a tight end stuff as me just going through bags and running through drills. And I was just not leaving any Avenue unexplored um, just because, you know, all you really needed is one person to be impressed by your tape, like what they're seeing. And that's all you kind of need. Cause I think once you sort of get your foot in the door um, it's a lot easier to stay than it is actually getting that foot in the door without a pro day coming out of a, you know, a small school like Brown, that's pretty difficult to do. Um, so you, d- you just need as much exposure as possible and cast as wide of a net and just kind of see what grabs. Um, and so that was sort of my process going through um, managing the pandemic in sports at the very beginning. Um, and then once I signed with the Rams um, uh, in May, then May hit and I immediately flew out to California um, and, you know, started training as best I could, um, started um, just preparing for the season. And then as far as the actual season went, you know, it was that I think the NFL did a really good job about putting on a pretty good product as far as, you know, everything seemed pretty safe. Uh, the rules, you know, seemed to keep guys for the most part, um, you know, being able to continue to play. Now we obviously had cases and we at a certain point in the right. season, almost every single team had to go and do uh, intensive protocols. Um but as far as like an actual season went, you know, it wasn't that disruptive. Now, no fans in the stands, um, you know, even with no fans in the stands, the amount of noise um, that was being pumped in was still pretty loud. And, you know, I've never really gone to like a big, massive, you know, power five school. So, um, you know, the, the noise level was fairly comfortable for me. Um, and so as far as years to be on a practice squad, I think it was pretty good because, you know, we got to travel to every single game, which normally doesn't happen um, in a regular non-COVID year. And then, you know, at, you got so much extra exposure because they had to keep everybody together at all times, mm-hmm. which was really, really nice for me. And I think that, you know, it's just additional things that I can pull from and grow from. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you've, you've I like what you said, you've just kind of been able to get that extra exposure and just kind of make the most of our opportunity. That's, that's all you could do, especially, especially right now. And just for, just to recap, uh, Mike, your pro day. So at six, four, 290 pounds, you're in a four, two, one in the shuttle, seven Oh five in the three cone drill, 4.65 in the 40 and 33 and a half vertical jump. And I know how you mentioned you were doing the, the different, um, 
positional drills at tight end and going through bags and everything. So is this, is this really what you think that really is able to set yourself apart, especially like you said, come from a small school. You cut out again, right at the last second there. I got everything up until um, asking the act. Good. Mm-hmm. All right, now yeah, Mike. Can you hear me now? Yep, yep. you're good. Mm-hmm. Right. Let's cut rid of the mic. Um, all right. So, uh, question was, so, <laughs> you know, all those numbers and you being able to do those different positional drills as a tight end and doing the different bag drills as being a defensive lineman, is, is that what we're able to kind of set you apart from, from, uh, some other guys, especially coming from a smaller school, um, you know, during a pandemic too. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I knew going into my pro day that I was going to test really well. You know, you mentioned that four two one shuttle um, compared to like combine guys at interior defensive linemen. That would have been the fastest, would have run the third fastest 40. Um, like I have here. Yeah, I would have been tied for fifth for the vert jump. So I knew my numbers were going to, you know, kind of pop a little bit. Um, and but then, you know, that's not the only thing that sort of factors into, you know, what guys look at. Those are obviously good numbers for people to kind of talk about. And it gives you sort of like a baseline comparison of, um, you know, this is the physical attributes that he has. But um, I think, you know, my tape um, definitely helped uh, talking to our defensive line coach, Eric Henderson here. He really liked um, the fact that, you know, I was making plays outside of the box. Um, you know, I was making plays all over the field. Um, and that, you know, you could sort of see, you know, the level of effort put into each and every play. And I think he, he really liked that because that, that's what he was looking for. Um, and then combined with the actual pro day numbers, um, I think that was probably what did a lot of it for me. Yeah, definitely. And do you have a do you have a particular drill that you really liked, whether you did it, you know, throughout college or uh, something that just is kind of like a staple for you in, in your weekly routine? Um, I would say as far as training goes, um, you know, I, I've practiced with a whole bunch of different coaches and trainers um, throughout my time. And um, I think, you know, definitely it's good to get well-rounded um, types of movements. So I find that it's really helpful to work with different trainers and get different perspectives and sort of find what things are kind of working for you. I mean, at the end of the day, no matter what somebody tells you, you're going to get out of it what you put into it. So, you know, certain strength coaches, certain trainers will have different philosophies on what they're trying to accomplish versus, you know, another one. And it's really experimenting with it and finding what works for you really, really well. Um, some, the transition from, I would say, college to the pros, um, something that's been really important that I've found is the recovery aspect of it. Um, I find that, you know, if you recover well, you know, you'll feel great the next day and be able to train just as hard. Um, and for me, I really like, you know, there's a lot of things that you can get told to do that like help, but just 10 minute stretch after a workout, you know, will do wonders for you. And then do like another 10 minute stretch um, later in the night. I find that, you know, any amount of like cold tubs, hot tubs, saunas, um, you know, all these different BFRs, Normatex, Theraguns. They're all helpful, but nothing's as helpful as just being able to stretch and just keeping your muscles loose and relaxed. 
Um, you know, but I've, it's also, you know, the process that I've been going through now um, is sort of really figuring out how my body works, what things, you know, make me feel good, what things help me train harder, what things don't work, um, where are some of the areas of things that I've told, that I've been told um, that, you know, I haven't really verified whether they work or not. Um, and so I'm really trying to dive and do a deep dive of like myself and um, really be able to find data that backs up whether something is working or not. And, you know, data can come from anywhere. It can come from, you know, I wear a whoop, I wear the Apple watch, like I collect data in that way. And then there's also like an intuitive feel of how do I actually feel? And um, I would think for a lot of the guys, you know, that are coming up and that are training, I would find what makes you feel good and what's actually um, helping you perform and then find a way to measure it, find a way to be able to say, I'm seeing the improvement. So whether that's, you know, tracking what you eat and just making like a quick, you know, sort of, it takes two minutes to just kind of quickly log what you eat and then just give yourself like quick notes of, I felt really good this day. Um, and that way, you know, if you do that for a couple of weeks, you'll have a sort of a log and these are the days that I trained the hardest. I felt the best on these days when I did these things. Um, and so I find that athletics is very, very individualized in that you kind of have to find what works for you. Um, and the reason, you know, that is because everybody's body is going to be different. Everybody's going to respond to things differently. So, um, you know, when you get told to do a whole bunch of different things, um, and you've been, had experience with so many different trainers, you really got to find what the best things are for you. Um, and that comes through, um, you know, actually taking the time to log things and figure things out and um, be sort of dedicated to, and not, not really super attached to any one individual thing. If something, if you can't find any reason to, uh, any support for something helping you, um, then you probably don't need to do it because energy is everything. You know, you got to be able to manage your energy as much as your time. Um, and if, if you're expending a whole bunch of energy doing something, you're not getting any tangible results, it's, pro it's probably not, it's probably time to, you know, move on and find something that you can actually benefit from. Um, and that's been sort of my journey in the last, I would say, six to eight months was finding out, you know, exactly what things are good for me, what things really work, training this much and doing things this way versus another way, um, what sort of foods help, what sort of supplements help. Um, and I can't, and it, you know, I obviously can't make any recommendations because everybody's, you know, different. Um, but I would very much implore other people to really find out what their body likes and doesn't like. And then, you know, once you figure out those things, um, continue to develop those things and then don't be afraid to explore other things and see how they feel. And if they work, add them in, if they don't get rid of them. Yeah, exactly. It's all, all about finding your own way. I absolutely, absolutely love that. I, you know, I agree with everything that you were saying. That's good stuff. So uh, looking more at your college career, uh, just starting off, I guess, with your recruiting process, what was that really like? You kind of have a unique situation being from Canada and everything. Yeah. So um, I did my freshman and sophomore year in Canada, and then I did my junior and senior year uh, in Ohio. Um, and so again, in Canada, like I said earlier, it's, it's very much, it's less predicated on your actual high school and more of the regional teams which I think is a very different sort of landscape. And I wasn't recruited out of Canada necessarily. I was more recruited um, 
similar to how most people kind of go through it in the U.S. where, you know, you produce your high school tape and you go out. Um, the interesting for me, though, was his, I was a fullback and I wanted to play defensive line. Now, I, I did play defensive line in high school as well, um, but, it, you know, I was getting 25, 30, 35, 40 carries a game because we were a triple option team. Um, so it was, I was, it was very much offensive dominated in high school. Um, which was awesome. It was so much fun. But um, <laughs> then uh, the summer before senior year, my mom and I went on a road trip and we just started hitting um, basically any school that um, we had had interest or that had interest in me and I was also interested in them. So I think we hit Butler, we hit Lehigh, James Madison, Cornell, Brown, um, I think that's, anyways, we had, you know, all these types of schools, the D1, AA type schools. Um, and so the big exposure for me was um, going to the actual camps because all these schools, they run recruiting camps and they'll have their guys come in um, and they'll run for workouts. And I think specifically for me, my mentality was like, this is my one shot. Um, this is sort of my make it or break it moment. And every single one was super important to me. Um, cause it, it, it doesn't matter whether you get an offer from every single one, um, you know, one, you might learn one thing at one camp that helps you get the offer at the next one. Um, so every single, every single drill that we did, um, you know, I was sprinting to the next drill. I was the first one in line every single time. Um, you know, I was always taking as many reps as possible because, you know, everybody's fighting for reps in front of all these scouts and coaches. Um, you gotta make sure to be able to get your reps um, and then take extra reps if you can, if there's opportunity to, um, I've got two good stories. One for, uh, when I was at the Butler camp, um, I didn't know this at the time, but it was uh, a camp that required helmets and I did not have a helmet. Um, so I just kind of said, you know, damn the, damn the torpedoes. I'm going to do it anyways. And I was doing all these like tight end drills and defensive guys are wearing, uh, their helmets and I'm not wearing a helmet and I'm still going up trying to and catching balls and, you know, just playing ball with them and doing like, uh, you know, defensive line drills and everybody got a helmet on. I didn't, you know, a couple bumps and bruises here and there, but you know, that was definitely worth it. And then, um, you know, when I finally went to Brown and Brown was my number one choice. Um, and so I did that camp last um, just because I wanted as much practice getting ready for my number one choice. Um, and, you know, between every single drill that we did, um, I was sprinting to the, so I was very first in line. So I guaranteed myself at least one rep in every single drill that we did. Um, and then at the very end, when, you know, they called everybody back into the middle, it was just a beeline sprint. And me and this one other kid kind of got into a foot race um, to be the first ones to the center of the race. And I beat them. And um, I think that was, that probably made a, I think a really good impression on the coach. Cause that's what coaches, I think at the college level are really looking for. Um, it's just heart. I think that, um, it's kind of hard to judge, um, too much talent based on, you know, high school and one day at a camp, but I think that they, if they can find guys with good character, guys with, you know, a strong love of the game and guys who are willing to put in the work, I think a lot of college coaches will be able to mold them into good players. Um, you know, and it, college is such, you know, intense physically, as far as like winter workouts, off season programs, like it, it's very, very intense. And so they're looking for guys who they think that are going to be able to handle it as well as guys that they think, you know, I might, I can turn him, he has the raw materials. I can turn him into a ball player. 
Um, so I think, you know, good advice for anybody going through that would be um, one, make sure you get your reps, be first in line, no matter what, because, you know, it's time constricted. And you might, if you're at the back of the line, you might not get a rep. Um, and then second, make sure that you show that you have the raw materials and that you also have, you know, the passion and the heart that you're going to put effort into it for four or five years and give them that, you know, a great four or five years. So uh, you said Brown was your top choice school. Uh, what was it about Brown that made it your uh, top choice uh, coming into um, college? I think it was, it was definitely the combination of, you know, how they run their academics through the open curriculum where you can take a lot of classes um, that are outside your field of study. So you can get really good exposure to other things. And then, um, you know, the pass fail option also makes um, managing, you know, sports and academics at the same time uh, really helpful. And then I also just really, really liked the culture of like the coaches and the culture of the program um, and just the entire vibe of um, the actual team. Um, you know, it was really, really appealing to me. It was gritty. It was like James Devlin, Zach Diossi, like we're going to punch you in the face and we're going to maul your face off and then we're going to walk out and, you know, that's going to be it. And so I really, really liked that aspect of it. It, it kind of just, you know, it, it felt like home for me. So that's interesting. Um, so I'm from Rhode Island personally, and I've been to Brown a few times. I didn't know that the pass fail option, that was a thing there, but so uh, I guess it definitely helps making it more manageable, but was it difficult managing school and football or were you able to find a way to manage that more efficiently? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely, it takes a lot of um, necessarily effort to um, make sure that you're getting things done. Um, I think what's really, really helpful in a team environment is you know, you have four years of guys and a hundred guys in the locker room, um, all of which that have gone through it and done things and helped out. They've taken this course already. They know who to talk to. So I think if you're good about, um, you know, leveraging that sort of connection and, you know, not being afraid to speak up and ask like, Hey, how did you go about doing this? Or how did you manage this? Or what, what's a good class to take? Or is this class too much for the fall when we're in season? Should I wait to take it for the spring? Um, sort of answers to questions like that are always really, really helpful. So, you know, I imagine doing it, you know, solo, it would be more difficult, but it's definitely a lot uh, easier when you have, you know, a hundred other guys you can rely on. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. So now uh, circling back to um, post, you know, post-college and we talked about a little about how you were preparing um, during the pandemic for the, for the NFL and everything like that. So, you ultimately end up getting picked up by the Rams. So what was your, what was your emotions like being able to, you know, getting that call from them and getting picked up? Uh, it's pretty spectacular. You know, you, you, as anybody will tell you, you watch the draft and, you know, everybody's just overcome with joy when that happens. And it was pretty much like that. Um, so the, there was a few remaining people on campus at that point, And I was still on campus um, and we were all just like hanging out all day, um, you know, watching the draft, waiting for the call, talking to my agent. And when the phone call finally comes, uh, it's, it was a pretty spectacular moment. You know, I had some of my closest friends there um, and it was just, you know, a really, really amazing experience. And, you know, credit to those guys because um, those guys really made it feel special for me, too. Um, so, you know, it, it's just it's an unbelievable experience um, getting that call and being um, and, you know, just having everything kind of 
come full circle and finally make it because you know you put in all that work for the pro day it gets canceled and you know you never really know until you get the call um you know i had a pretty good idea that i was going to land somewhere but um you know it's obviously stressful managing and going into it um but when it's finally done it's just you know big sigh of relief and um you know it's joy for about an hour and then uh then you realize that you're going to be in the room with Aaron Donald and you better start running and getting in shape and bench pressing and doing all these things that are going to be required of you in about five months. Yeah, that's for sure. And who, who did give you the call? Was it, was it coach McVay or no? So they, they ran it through my agent. So, okay. um, you know, I talked to my agent and cause he was uh, talking to a couple different teams um, and then eventually he said, like, Rams are here. They're, you know, obviously your number one choice. They have mm-hmm. the best offer. Like, this is the one we should take. Um, you know, I called my parents and then um, it was, you know, done deal at that point. Um, and then, you know, later that day, like you get the ops people coming in collecting information, getting ready to send you everything. And then um, they're just trying to figure everything out. So it, it wasn't. Um, and then, you know, it was the next day that I got because it was late on the West Coast or on the East Coast by the time I got it. So um, it was later, um, that I started talking to like Eric Henderson, our defensive line coach and started talking to some of more of the coaches. So even though you had just gotten picked up by the Rams, you also did get drafted pretty highly in the CFL draft. Uh, was it a difficult decision to, uh, choose the NFL over the CFL or were you kind of just set on that? I think I knew, like, I knew going into it that, um, you know, the NFL was going to be number one choice um, under after they're drafted. And then the CFL was going to be, um, if something didn't work out, then I was going to go there. And, I, you know, I was, I was very upfront with the coaches in the CFL when, you know, cause I did interviews with them as well, <clears throat> but um, I just wanted to keep playing football. So I wasn't going to leave um, the CFL off the table. Um, and yeah, it, it obviously a huge honor. Um, I was first pick of the second round to the Ottawa Red Blacks. Um, I'll always be a Red Black at heart. Um, so, but, you know, and if, if something were to not work out in the NFL, you know, that's definitely still an opportunity for me. Um, I think I would have gone a lot higher in the draft if the week before I hadn't signed with the Rams and that happens all the time um, with the CFL, but, you know, they take me to claim my rights in the off chance that the NFL doesn't work out. Exactly. And has there been anyone uh, for the Rams, like, like an Aaron Donald or a Michael Brockers or anyone that has, was really big for you in your first year, as far as, um, just kind of getting some, maybe some advice or someone that you've kind of really studied a lot. I think, you know, three guys kind of come to mind. So first of all, I'll say that, you know, just being in the locker room or in the film room with Aaron Donald, um, you know, he's like a coach in his own right that, you know, mm. you watch what he does and, um, just the way that he goes about attacking the game and game planning and getting ready. Um, you know, it's something that everybody should be modeling their style of play. Um, but directly, I think, you know, three big guys for me um, would have been Brockers, Greg Gaines, uh, and Morgan Fox, um, each for their own reasons. Brockers is obviously, you know, larger than life, the biggest personality in the room, um, you know, it's very much the voice of our defense. Um, so, you know, he's obviously good, um, you know, introduction into the NFL and just having guys like that around Morgan Fox, I think, you know, I'm a very, uh, that's like a good um, comparison for me as far as like my play style, body type, physical, and what I think the Rams are looking um, for me to be able to fill his shoes now that he's in Carolina. And then Greg Gaines is, you know, he's just a funny dude to have around. He's just, you know, our big, uh, you know, nose tackle guy from Washington, like 
you know, he'll, he'll at, at any point, he's just ready to crack a joke. He's just a feel good guy to have around. And, you know, you, you definitely need those types of guys around um, just because they make, you know, the grind of every day playing that in the national football league, you know, they make it a lot easier and a lot more lighthearted. Um, so those guys definitely, you know, Troy reader has been awesome. He and I have the same agent. Um, and, you know, I was talking to him before the draft. So he's been really, really good. And there's just so many more names that I could name, but you know, those are the guys that immediately come to mind. That's awesome. Are there any teams you're really looking forward to having the opportunity to play against in this coming season or, uh, um, I think the Giants would be good because I have a lot of friends that are Giants fans. So I think that'll be fun. Um, you know, every single divisional game is always fun because, you know, they count as two. Um, and so those ones are, and those always have some of the best atmosphere. I think some of the best atmospheres are when we play the Seahawks. I think that's, you know, that really runs deep as far as we really don't like them. They really don't like us. And it's a lot of fun. Um, that's what football is all about. Um, no, I, I think for me, especially, you know, this is last year being on the practice squad, you know, I was treating that like a redshirt year to develop, to grow, um, really focus in on the physical piece of it um, and just learn what life is like in the NFL and then growing, um, growing a little bit. And then coming into year two, this is going to be my year to be, um, you know, contributing, um, getting playtime and really get to experience, you know, battling and playing like that. So that's going to be really um, what I'm looking forward to. So every single team that we play is going to be the Super Bowl for me. That's for sure. If you have a uh, prediction for the record, um, 16 and 0. Love it. But you got to remember they're doing the uh, 17. Oh yeah, the 17. We, got, we, we have a bye. We have a bye week in there, so it's still 16, isn't it? I thought they were doing 17 games this season. Yeah, I thought I it was something about Shepard saying that, but I could be wrong. Don't uh, don't beat up on the Seahawks too bad. That's my team. Um, no promises there. <laughs> no, that's good though. I'm, I'm excited for you guys. With, obviously, with the new quarterback in town too, that should be should be exciting for you guys. And overall, I mean, overall, that division is going to be unbelievable. I think this year. Yeah. yeah, I mean, a lot of moves have been made as far as yeah. like we got JJ Watt here. Yeah. Um, you know, so the, and you know we've sent guys to Seahawks. Um, I know Samson's up there. So I mean the division's crazy. The amount of, you know, free agency has been crazy for the NFC West. So um, it's definitely going to be some good competition, some good football coming out of there. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. That's for sure. Well, all right, Mike, that's, uh, that's all we have, all we have for today. Thanks again for, for uh, taking some time to join us today. Cool guys. Yeah, no, it was awesome. Um, Really good, you know, talking to you guys. And if you ever want to do this again, I'd love to become a recurring guest. Oh, for sure. Yeah. We've had a few repeat guests, so we'll definitely uh, get you on that for sure. Awesome. Sounds good, guys. Awesome, man. Thank you.